Yes, yes, it's working. I think it's working now. Um, I, I, I think, I think. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, is at it? least on, on yeah, YouTube, I'm, I'm looking at it. It's, it's up and running. We got yes, it's finally working. So yes, we, yes, yes. We have this I'll, somewhat figured out. <laughs> somewhat figured out. That's the perfect way of putting it. Um, uh, okay. So first of all, allow us to apologize because we have no idea what we're doing. I mean, we know how to talk. I guess we know how to use computers, but we're trying to use new software here and we have no idea what we're doing. We've actually we tried this it. out like, yeah, we, we totally it. did. By the way, we've tried this out like, like five different times and uh, every single time we've had some type of issue and, uh, uh, but I think it's working. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. If it is working, let us know you can hear us. Let us know you are watching us, I think. Okay. And I do hey, see. Jason's missing his name. Yeah, that's oh. I'm missing. I'm missing no. my tag again, man. No, because that was the price of us getting this working. Like, there's no other way around that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally kidding here. Okay, so um, uh, this is kind of what we have. Uh, let me see here. Um, this is the title of our message. Uh, look, look how we're figuring all this out. We're we're doing this as we go. Um, and uh, let me see here. Um, uh, this is right there. I, I I have no idea what I just did right now, but it looks like I did something, and it looks kind of cool. Uh, whatever. Okay. Anyways, thank you. Thank you guys for sticking around with us. Thank you so much. Everyone that's connected with us here on YouTube. Um, again, we're using uh, new software, new internet based live streaming, and it just allows us to do things a little bit more user friendly. Apparently not though. That's the way I'm seeing this. Apparently not. Anyways, we have a conversation for you guys. We want to say happy Sabbath to uh, Jessica, to Chris, to Cindy, uh, and to Chris, to Jessica and to Cindy. Uh, who are the people who have sent us a message at this moment? Again, if you are watching us, um, just uh, just let us know, all right? And I would recommend right now, again, share it with the people that you know that normally join us. Uh, uh, Jason, you may have to do one of your social media things right there, uh, you know, and just trying to make sure that everybody uh, everybody is connected. And um, yeah, I, 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 I put something you. saying sorry for the for the for the delay, but we're going on right now. So I mean, hopefully that picks up some attention. Yes, ho hopefully, hopefully. And we're going to get started. Either way, we do know this is being recorded, which is a good thing because that means that even if you don't watch it live, you can still watch it afterwards. So we're going to have this conversation. Uh, but uh, I see Jessica saying that also Christian and Andrew are with her. And again, uh, hi to Christian and Andrew, and hopefully you guys are all good. All right. Uh, very well. So we're going to jump straight into this. All right. We got a conversation that I think is important, but it should not be a coincidence that, uh, you know, we have certain technical difficulties in the process because I do believe there is such a thing as an enemy. And I do believe that there is such a thing as uh, someone who's always trying to get in the middle of all these things. Uh, but I think this is going to be a good conversation for all of us to really think and reflect on where we're at. But first, let's begin with the word of prayer. Andrew, give us a blessing for like about an hour here, okay? Yeah. Ask the Lord for a good hour where we don't have any more issues. All right, here we go. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you once again just asking Lord, that on your Sabbath day that you would uh, allow all the things to just kind of flow from here. That um, we've had some technical uh, issues, Lord. Uh, we're trying out some some new stuff, Lord. But uh, ultimately, Lord, hopefully, uh, so that uh, more and more people can uh, get get uh, on these conversations, Lord, and that it can be, um, yeah, I guess, uh, easier consumption for everybody uh, that, that's going to watch in the future, Lord. We just ask that um, your Holy Spirit may be behind all this, our conversations. And uh, all the ideas that we're going to be uh, presenting, Lord, we just ask that as we dive into this uh, 
this topic, Lord, that uh, your, your spirit may just dwell with us, Lord. And uh, ask all this in your name, I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, appreciate that, Andrew. By the way, um, to everybody that's joining us again, thank you for connecting with us. Uh, we do want to let you know that as we are working through these things, you may see some settings change. Uh, we're just trying to find a way. The program that we're using apparently allows us actually to put your comments on the live stream, on, like on the actual screen. And this is good because we like to have your questions. We like to have your involvement in these conversations. All right. So anyways, uh, today's conversation is titled, Are You Christian? And not Christian, I mean, in the name, but we're talking about Christian in the religion, right? In the practice of faith, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think it's uh, it's an interesting question. And if you guys notice, right, we were talking about, are you Christian? Are you Christ-like? And, you know, just trying to do a play on words there. Uh, but, but I think especially in the times that we are living in right now that are super, super complex, because they really are, okay? Um, I think it's important for us to talk about the Christian identity. Uh, but for us to talk about the Christian identity, we kind of have to go back, and we really have to ask ourselves the, about the founder of this Christian identity, Jesus, right? And at, at really, the, I think the fundamental question that we need to ask is, what was Jesus all about? If we don't start at that point, I don't think we can go into what the Christian identity is. So, um, Andrew, Jason, uh, I believe that you guys are Christian. Just confirm to me here. Are you guys Christians? Yes, right? I like to believe so. Okay. Well, I, was one, I was once <laughs> called an Anab Anabaptist, <laughs> if you remember Wait, that. that. That sounds familiar. Did I do that? Was that me? Did I call you an Anabaptist? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, believe it or not, but Anabaptists were also Christians, so you're still good. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um, so so uh, as Christians, you guys have thought about Christ. You guys have thought about Jesus. Let's talk about this. What was Jesus all about? What do you perceive <clears throat> his message to be? And, and I want to make sure that before you guys answer this question, that everybody else that is joining us live at this moment also thinks about this question, right? And and ask themselves, hey, what, what was Jesus all about? So what do you guys think? Uh, I, I don't know who wants to go first in this case, but um, what was Jesus all about? How do you perceive that? I mean, if we, if we, if, if we really look at a lot of texts specifically about with Paul, um, a lot of those texts like go back down to the basis of if you don't know love, you don't know God, so you don't know Jesus. So one of the main things about Jesus was love, and it was spreading out love, because that's what at, in those times, just like in our times right now, with everything going on around us, that's exactly what was missing. But not love as in like, oh, I want to date that person, like, oh, I want to get married to that person. It was love as in like, legitly caring for another person's, not just life, but salvation. I think that's the important thing that we have to know. It wasn't just them about them eating. I love them though, so I care about them eating. I love them, so I care about them taking a shower, putting on clean clothes. It was, I love them that when my Redeemer comes back, I want to be able to see them. And Jesus' mission the whole time was like, hey, when I come back for you guys, I want to see all of you guys there. So that's what his mission was about. His mission was about breaking all of those, um, I guess you could say, chains that the Jewish people had on themselves in, in reference to, to talking about God, to spreading to others the joy of knowing God and knowing the one true God. So that's what, that's what I feel his mission was. Break those chains and just show love to everybody and how love 
can really fix a lot of the problems that we have as a society. So you think so you think his mission mission was about love. I, I just want to make sure I clarify that. Mission about love, love towards us. Yes. In, in general. Okay. Okay. Andrew, what what say you? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think there's different aspects to to what he came in. If we were we could break down everything that that, that he was here about. Um, you know, we can go on or we can make a long list. But no, I think that um what we're talking about today is exactly like you said, is extremely touchy, especially with the times, yeah. you know, and, and uh, I think, uh, you know, what Jason was saying about love, you know, uh, last week they, they, uh, they, they almost made a meme about me. They said that I, that I memorized all of, uh, MLK, Martin Luther King's, uh, quotes. <laughs> they sure. almost made a meme sure. about me, but, uh, it reminded me actually of uh, a quote that I didn't get to uh, talk about last time, but we all, uh, we all know about the different, uh, uh, Greek words for love. Right. And that goes along with what Jason's was saying. Right. We have, uh, Eros. Right. We have a uh, storge and phileo, phileo being friendship, love, storge. I believe that is familial love. Right. Eros being a uh, romantic love. And then the last one, which is agape. Right. And and uh, Martin Luther King in that quote talks about when we reach this level of love. Right. Uh, an unconditional love. Right. We'll, we start to love the people. But, you know, well, he was referring to what was going on at that time. Right. Right. And, and we, we learn to, you know, hate the system, but love the people. Right. Mm. That are in there and mm. kind of the same message that I guess uh, Jesus preaches. Right. Love, loving the sinner, but hating the sin. Right. Mm. And um, ultimately, Jesus, if I had to in one uh, one verse uh, kind of talk about some of the things that he would he really uh, was here for was um, in Luke 418, where he, he uh, states his, his mission statement. Right. Where he. Uh, opens up the scroll and he, he uh, reads out of Isaiah where he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, pro to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to, pro to proclaim the acceptable year of the mm -hmm. Lord. Now we start breaking that down into, into different categories. You know, one of the first, very first things that I see you know, if we remember uh, Jesus' life, you know, Ellen White says that Jesus did more healing than he did preaching, right? But on top of that, I believe that Jesus, if you look at this verse just, uh, you know, at a first glance, you can see that Jesus was trying to deal with something internally even more than something externally, mm -hmm. right? It says to preach the gospel to the poor, right? We know that the gospel is not only to the poor, most likely meaning poor in spirit, the humble, right? Because the only ones that can receive uh, uh, the gospel, the good news would be those who are humble, contrite heart, right? As, as the Bible says, right? So to preach the gospel, right? The good news, right? That Jesus would die on the cross, right? Uh, uh, for our sins, right? And then he says, uh, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Notice he didn't say to heal the leper, to heal the, uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to say. And, and he did do all those things. He did heal the lepers. He healed the lame. But in this mission statement, he says, to heal the brokenhearted. Again, we see he's dealing with a heart issue. There's something going on in the heart, right? To pro proclaim liberty to the captives, right? We could say, oh, well, maybe he was uh, trying to uh, 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 proclaim liberty to uh, uh, the Jewish people from the Romans. But we know that Jesus didn't come as a conqueror. He didn't come to like just set them free from the Romans. But uh, on the other hand, we see uh, a Paul in the New Testament where he says, for once you were slaves to sin, right? But now you are slaves to, to, to Christ, right? In essence, saying 
a, a liberty from sin, right? We're all captives to sin. So we see Jesus uh, again dealing with the heart issue, the sin. And it says, and recovery of sight to the blind, right? We know that he he physically did that, you know, gave uh, sight to the blind, but also uh, in truth, right? There was many times where he spoke to the to the Pharisees where he says, you know, if, 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 if I had c- come to do all these things, right? Well, no, he says, at one point he says, uh, the Pharisees say, are we blind too? And he says, if you guys would have, I, I forgot the, the, the phrasing, but he says, if you guys did not see these things, right, um, that you guys would not be guilty. But now that you guys claim that you guys can see, your guilt remains, mm-hmm. right? Because there was a truth claim that was coming in what Jesus said. So he was bringing truth and not all seen, right? Even after his death, we have people that their eyes are open, right? And the, the last part says to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Of course, right? All the people that are oppressed. And the last part says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, Jesus coming, his kingdom that was going to be established. So all those things, I think, uh, uh, like we said, are are, are put down in, in, in one verse. Um, you know, you know. Well, look, I I want to pick on that verse for a second, uh, because I, I I was thinking the exact same thing. This this is kind of like the mission statement of Jesus. I know some people have talked about uh, the um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and I think that's also very important. There are a lot of very good points there. But in Luke chapter four, that's actually the, the very beginning of his ministry, right? This is this is in fact, if you read Luke chapter four, it literally says Jesus began his ministry, right? And he goes to the synagogue. And, and he says these things in the synagogue. And what he is quoting is Isaiah chapter 61. Now, um, Luke only quotes up until the verse that you just mentioned, Andrew, right? You just you just took it up to there because that's the way Luke uh, registers it. There's something interesting that happens right after that, though. Uh, it, the Bible says, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And I'm reading uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 20. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, and this is, I think, very important. He began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What else did he say? I have no idea, right? The Bible doesn't tell me, but I do know that that was the beginning statement. What he quoted there was the beginning statement of something much longer, of something even bigger. In fact, the the next verse says, all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So he kept teaching, right? So I went ahead. And I uh, looked up in um, in uh, uh, Luke chapter. I mean, sorry, in Isaiah chapter sixty one. Okay, Isaiah chapter sixty one, and in Isaiah chapter sixty one, if you keep reading that quote, okay, I'm going to read the very last statement that you just gave me. Right, that that Luke also gives, uh, which it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But as the prophecy continues, because Jesus is referring and saying that that he's he is about that message, Isaiah sixty one continues saying. Um, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, it says, to uh, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And that last statement is what I wanted to say. I believe that Jesus did a number of things. Absolutely. Um, but I think eventually when you look at when you look at the ministry of Jesus, what he meant to do was to lead people to glorify God. 
And that glorification of God can be done in a number of ways. But specifically, I think it's done through righteousness. It's done through acts of righteousness. It is done through keeping of the commandments. It is done through all these other things that scripture tells us and that Jesus showed us, right? So I would say that that the principal uh, purpose of Jesus was for us to glorify God. Now, along those lines comes salvation. Along those lines comes saving us from sin. But see, even saving us from sin glorifies God, right? We can't we can't disassociate the mm-hmm. uh, his death on the cross and his forgiveness. That's that in and of itself glorifies God too. So, um, you know, again, this is just something to say. Uh, I know I'm getting some comments, Andrew. Uh, this is just kind of interrupting the conversation about your lighting, okay? About your lighting. And I have no idea because you look good on my side. I know. Uh, I see it on mine and I licked it. It looked fine. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, and and uh, maybe I'll try to hide you. Yeah, I think it's just the way the stream is coming through. But uh, I will tell you, you totally look like a superhero, okay? Uh, yeah, I got a picture of it and you look like a superhero, uh, I'll try to hide you and put you back on and see if maybe that'll help. But anyways, uh, that that's, you know, I, I picked that up from scripture that Jesus was so much more than just about saving us, right? He really was to glorify. And let me, let me just prove this point um, by reading one verse in John chapter 17, Jesus is, is praying, he's praying to God and he literally says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. In finishing the work, in finishing the work, Jesus was glorifying the Father. And I think that that if we're going to talk about what it means to be Christian, if we're going to talk about what the message of Christ is, it has to come down to that. He was all about glorifying God. What say you guys? No, I, I think it's, it, you know, uh, he was always trying to, I, I guess, when we see his ministry, he was trying to um, rectify, I guess, even to this day, right, what God was really about. You know, up until that point, many people had uh, uh, different ideas about what God was like. And Jesus almost kind of uh, set the narrative straight, you know, in, in that perspective. You know, he came to show what God was really about, you know, and, and I think that's even true today. No, oh, yeah, it really applies to us as Christians if we're going to take on the the name Christian as our identity. Because obviously, I mean, we've heard it. I mean, at least I have. I've heard it several times at church. Christian is literally to be a, a follower of Christ. Someone that tries to be like Christ. So if we're trying to be a Christian and fully take on the name and say, I'm a Christian, we have to try our best to do what, God, what Christ did. And if one of those things which scripture says was to glorify God, we have to do it too. There's no way that I could be a Christian if I'm not doing that, if I'm not taking that 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 aspect into my life as well. Yeah, glorification of God is important. Now, let me, let me also say the following, and I, I want to see what you guys think about this. Because more often than not, I think, by the way, Andrew, I fixed your face, I think. Oh, okay. are, you, are you somebody, sure? Yeah, I think it's so. I, but, I have a white mask. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, look, look, it looks good. By the way, if you guys want to meet me on that, by the way, do it. Okay, no problem. Okay, I just fixed your face. Um, okay, so here we go. So, so here we go. Um, I, I, I think that more often than not, especially in today's days, we are going in and we are disassociating the glorification of God from Christianity. We want to live 
all the good things about Christianity, loving your neighbor, giving the other cheek, uh, you know, helping the needy and the poor, justice and mercy. But you can't disassociate that from the glorification of God because that is what Jesus was doing. That that's that would that's what he was about. Does that make sense? Like like, uh, do do you guys see that? Because I feel that is a problem that the message of Jesus encountered not only back then but even now today. That uh, we're forgetting completely the glorification of God and we're thinking about the actions. Uh, it, it is a problem. Oh. Oh, go ahead, go Andrew. Go for it. <laughs> no, it, it is a problem because we we only want we only want to we only want to do what what's convenient to us. Um, I was I'm actually um, uh, recently I started reading a book by David Goggins, and one of the things that he that he, um, it's called "You Can't Hurt Me," um, mm -hmm. and um, one of the things that he points out a lot is you have to you have to be able to reach out of your comfort zone. And I think that really should apply to Christians because being a Christian is not about just being comfortable, not just not just about being going to church comfortably on Saturday, telling someone on the street comfortably, I love you. Being a Christian is getting out of your comfort zone. That's what Jesus would do all the time. Just look at the, the 40 days in the desert. That was that's not something comfortable, but he had to do something like that to get closer to God. Obviously, Jesus isn't telling us go 40 days into the desert you know but i feel like that is a call to us as a christian to not just take the the easy way of calling myself a christian if i'm going to be a christian i have to apply everything else that comes with it and one of those things is getting out of my comfort zone and getting them out of, out of my comfort zone to glorify god because it's in through our weaknesses where god where god shines out the most and how are we ever going to figure that out how are we ever going to get to that point if i'm just stuck in my repetitive comfort zone Hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, comfort zone. That's that's fascinating. I think that's a, that's a good phrase to explore when it comes to Christianity. Go go ahead, Andrew. No, uh, just along the the lines you're saying. You know, I don't think we can remove God from the picture, and I think that that's what we're trying to do in today's age. We want to remove God from the picture, and we just want to leave the love your neighbor part. But the problem is when you do that, is the Bible says, "He who does not know love, does, he who does not know love does not know God, for God is love." Right. So if we change the direction, right, and, and the source of love is God, then all of a sudden, if we take God out the picture, then where do we get our source of love? Mm. Where do we get our ideas of love? That's where you get all these ideas of, well, this is what I believe love is. This is what love is, you know, and, and you get all these different, you get all these clashing ideas of what love is. But if it doesn't come from God, like just like the Bible says, we will not know how to love our neighbor as mm. ourselves. The idea is that when you remove God, you know, then all of a sudden it becomes a work-based love, right? It all of a sudden is what can I do? What, uh, uh, you know, what can I do or what can I get back? But when it comes through Jesus, when it comes through God, all of a sudden it comes as a, uh, as a response as, a, as opposed to a duty. And I think that when we remove that aspect of God, of glorification uh, uh, from God, that's what we're doing. We're essentially removing that and turning it into a, a work-based doctrine. Uh, yeah, look, I, I want I wanted to pick on this idea of of getting out of our comfort zone, Jason. Uh, mm -hmm. This is what we see in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote this for you guys for a second. Right? Um, he says, uh, first of all, he says, "Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets." This is Jesus speaking. He says, "I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill." All right, very well. What did he mean by that? And then he talks about murder and adultery. And you guys know these, these, these verses where he says, look, you have heard that it was said of, of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And he says, but I say to you, now this is, 
That phrase to me is so important. I, I don't know how you guys see that, but it's so important because Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to distinguish myself from what everybody else is teaching. And let me show you what I'm about. Let me show you what I stand for. And he says, but I say to you, whoever is angry. Look, I'm going to pick on something for a second. We're, we've been we've been talking a lot about anger lately, and, and there's a word that gets attached to it. Righteous anger is what we've been hearing uh, in the news. We've been hearing in social media. We've been hearing among pastors, among uh, religious leaders, that there is a righteous anger because we see right, uh, we see racism, we see discrimination, etc. And I would say, yeah, very possible. All right, but be very careful though, because righteous anger very quickly can go away from righteousness and end up only as anger. Okay, you you uh, I, I think it was you, Jason, uh, that had mentioned about that video, or it might have been you, Andrew, last week. Uh, where that guy is just saying he was he was willing to die for this, right? And he and it was like oh, a yeah. different generations, yeah. And and so um, when when you look at this situation, right, of of this individual saying I'm willing to die, there's some people that say I'm willing to kill. Jesus comes in and says, "Look, I'm here to change the issues of the heart, to change the issues of the heart, right? Not just the action, the heart." And when you think about it, that makes me uncomfortable. You know what? Actually, the murder part doesn't make me uncomfortable because perhaps you say you don't get angry at anybody. But let me give you the adultery one. You have heard that it was said of those of all, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, says Jesus, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery. Tell me that doesn't make you. Look, we're three guys speaking right now. Does that not make you uncomfortable? It makes me uncomfortable, right? And Jesus is saying, I'm here to change that. I'm, I'm here to change that. The internals, the 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 part of our heart. How do you guys see that? No, that's really what it is because you can't tell by your exterior. You can't tell if someone is really following God. You can't tell if if you really love your neighbor. You can't. That's only on the inside. And the Bible itself says, even I can't remember the exact text in Psalms that God, or even just for the story of David and Samuel. It's God is telling Samuel, he's like, for man looks at the out, outward, I look at the interior. And that, that's the thing. That's the only thing that God could, that, that, that could change that matters. Because I could come my hair a different way. I could grow out a beard. I could stop wearing glasses, whatever it is. That doesn't mean that my internals have changed. That doesn't mean that my character is going to change whatsoever. And, and would you guys agree that the issue here is that Jesus came to make that change in us? Because that, that's the way I see it as well, right? Jesus came to glorify God. Uh, Jesus came to show us the way of salvation. Uh, Jesus came uh, to show what true love is, right? As Jason, you were saying, but he also came to change us, to transform yeah, it, us. Yeah, he came to set an example that it is possible to change, that it's not something that's undoable. It's possible. And he showed us the ways to do it. And I, I keep on seeing Andrew like hesitant. He wants to say yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to jump in. Sorry. Sorry. I get a little bit. You know, <laughs> I think we all get like that. But uh, I wanted to add to the point that you were that, uh, that you were saying. You know about the the whole anger, right? And, and, how, and I think this is something that we need to reflect on, especially on on, on what's going on today, right? And, and any any of these subjects, but especially when it comes to to anger, right? Because we have to uh, discern righteous anger, and, and you know when it becomes something completely different. But I, I think I mentioned this before, but I want to read the verse, right? Because uh, According to Jesus, right, murder be begins before that, right? Murder be comes before you, uh, the action, right? And it, and if we go according to Jesus' uh, 
definition then when we look at uh what happened with cain and abel then all of a sudden uh cain's uh sin was when he got angry before mm -hmm. he even killed abel and i want to read this to you because i think this this puts it in perspective right it says in genesis 4 3 it says and in the and in the process of time it came to pass that cain brought an offering of of the fruit of the ground to the lord abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat and the lord respected abel and his offering it said but he did not respect cain and his offering and cain was very angry and his countenance fell so according to jesus sin all was already right there at the beginning it says and cain was very angry in his countenance fell right, right? But then look at what it continues to say. It says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? It says, if you do well, you will not be accepted. And it says, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. That's interesting to me that he says that at that point where he was angry, right? It's almost like God is telling to him, hey, you're angry. But watch out with that with, with that anger, right? right. If you right. do what is right, you know, will you not be accepted? And he says, but sin wants to have you. So he's calling uh, or anger at this point sin, right? And this is something that we ourselves, especially in the in this move, the, the, the movements that are going on today and what's going on today, we have to uh, 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 kind of dwell on this and, and not, not allow that sin to have. Uh, it says right there, if you do well you will not will you not be accepted accepted and if you do not do well sin lies at the door and it desires mm. its desire is for you right but you should rule over it so i think we have to be very careful and, and especially when it comes to the times that we're living in now sure and I, and I think that jesus came to change that go go ahead jason i'm sorry i think i cut you oh, off yeah no um, no no i was gonna say we have to be very careful with uh how we how we use um how we use the Bible to try to cover up our reactions to certain things. Because mm. sometimes we say, oh, um, the Bible is saying this, when in reality it's saying, saying something completely different. We, we have to read the entire context and not just use certain contexts of certain things to our favor. And right. that's, that's something that's been bugging me a lot lately because I've seen it all over social media and I've seen it from pastors too. And I, I think I've mentioned it as well. Um, on here that it's it's bothered me that I see people trying to use the Bible to cover up um, the the reactions to certain things or to or to try to um, to yes. give a biblical explanation to what they're doing when they're not reading the full context of what the Bible's trying to say and and that's just wrong. This is this is I think where the conversation goes back to this issue of what does it mean to be a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, you you cannot cherry pick what it means to be a Christian. Like you can't go in there and say I like this about Christianity, but I don't like that about Christianity. Um, I, it, let me let me um, let me see if we can kind of um, come down to a definition of what it means to be Christian, right? Because our the title of our of our conversation today is Are you Christian? Well, what does that mean, really? What are we trying to ask? Um, and and I think by the way, for everybody that's joining us, please, you know, if, if, uh, let's hear what your definitions of Christian is, right? What, what do you see uh, being a Christian is all about? Um, but if I look at it from scripture, number one, I, I want to point this out. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Christian, the term Christian was not a term that was self-applied, okay? Followers of Jesus did not come and say, I am a Christian. 
in reality, that was a term that was given to them. And and, and I want to read this to you guys because I, I think this is super interesting in my opinion. Um, and this is found in the book of Acts, okay? Uh, and, and, and here, this is the first time that they are called Christians, okay? First time. In fact, the Bible says this. But this is how the verse goes. This is Acts 11.26. It says, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. This is when he when he had found uh, Saul. He brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, listen to that time frame, a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay. I see two things here. Number one, they're called Christians for the first time after they had spent an entire year at this place talking about Christ. Now, you know what happens if you talk about something for an entire year, but you don't live it? You know what you're going to be called? You're not going to be called a Christian. You're going to be called a hypocrite. So in this case, one, the message went right along with the life, right? Uh, They were talking about Christ. And then they eventually, you could see it throughout that year. There is no way of denying whether or not they lived the message of Christ. And I think this is so important that that we make an emphasis on, that I think Christianity is about living the entire message of Jesus Christ. Not an aspect that I like, not a a, a little thing that makes sense to me, but I'm not going to obey those other things. You have to, to to be a true Christian means to accept that everything that Jesus taught is correct, is right. What do you guys think about that? Go ahead. Yeah, actually, I actually was looking at, at a, a verse that I wanted to uh, kind of uh, go off of what you were saying, because it's true. You know what you're saying? It was after a, a, about a year span of time, and I was actually going to mention that I had the verse uh, right here, right, that they were first called Christians, right? Um, but I, I wanted to, I just another thought came to my mind, right, where, um, where uh, Peter is speaking boldly, Right after uh, uh, the whole ascension of Jesus, right, and he's he's I don't forget he's speaking in front of the Pharisees, right, and uh, there there's a, a verse where it says, and these uh, and these and they had noted that these men had been with Jesus, mm. right, huh. and, and I see if I can if I, if I can find it, and I think it's in uh, Acts four thirteen. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. That to me gives me chills because these people had noted the the power and the authority in which they were speaking with because they re, they remembered that same authority. If you guys remember uh, uh, it, uh, during the Gospels when Jesus is speaking, he says that he speaks as one with authority, the people say, mm. not as the Pharisees do. Right. And it's almost like that same power comes over Peter and John. But the way that they know this is not because they say, oh, I have this power given to me by Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? As uh, uh, some of these uh, uh, other uh, uh, false apostles used to say, was it the seven sons of of Sivia? Yeah, yeah, something like that, right? uh, Where they're they're claiming to be uh, uh, followers of Jesus and the demons come out and they say, Paul, I know about Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know about, but who are you, right? They didn't come in this trying to establish their authority, but these Pharisees and these people recognize the power because they had been with Jesus. They realized they had been with Jesus because of the power and authority that they had. And I think that speaks volumes to uh, to our cur- uh, current day Christianity, just as you were saying. Okay, now the funny thing is that 
does the read that text one more time because I, I think I think there's an important detail that goes in there. What does that text say one more time? Okay, uh, it says now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Look, see, I think this is so important because look, this text tells you that these men they were like, wait a minute, this guy is supposed to be like this, but he's not. Right. That's what the text is saying. They're supposed to be uneducated, but they're talking with boldness. Huh. They must have been with Jesus. You know what that tells me? That tells me that being a Christian is about living a life of transformation. Right. It's it's about living a life where you, you're going to see difference after difference after a life of differences from what people may expect from you to what Jesus is trying to do in you. I mean, to me, that's a very powerful text. In fact, we don't even know if these men had seen Jesus. What we do know is that they simply observed that they were uneducated, but they were speaking boldly. And they're like, the only way this is possible is because of Jesus. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. Like, we know that they were all fishermen. I mean, just a few of them were educated. Like, maybe, like, what was it? Two or three of them were actually educated. But the rest of them were fishermen. The rest of them were fishermen, and from we know, from what we know historically, fishermen it was like you weren't exactly the most delightful person to be around. Sure. They had the mouth of a sailor and all that stuff, and we—that's crazy. That that's a term that we still use up today. Someone that cusses all—that's a mouth of a sailor. Just going into the context of what they were, and then later on, like we know, some of them were called the like um, in Spanish in manos del trueno, like they would get mad really bad, like they had bad hair. Yeah. 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 They had bad characters. Right. Like their personality wasn't that like, just, and then just look at Peter, right? Right. When Jesus was about to get taken away, he pulls out a sword, cuts the guy's ear off. The guy, they were temperamental. And for someone to say, oh, they must have been with Jesus. It's because there was a drastic change. Mm. There had to have been. And maybe those guys didn't meet Jesus, but the fact that they had heard about Jesus so much, they had heard about everything that he did. And the fact that these guys we're living up to what Jesus had done and doing and literally leaving, um, living what uh, Jesus had taught. It's like, dude, it's a clear example. These guys had to have been with Jesus. Yeah. There had to have been a change, right? That that's, that's what I'm talking about. Now I, let, let's, let's bring this to the, where the problem really is at, right? Because, okay, fine. The disciples, these, you know, John, uh, uh, Peter, I mean, um, uh, Peter, John, right. They were being called, disciples of Jesus, being with Jesus. We see the Christians in the early church being called Christians. Yeah, but what's going on today? See, see, because today, I don't even know if I should say this. Like, the, I, I, <laughs> like this is my concern. Look, and I'm and I'm coming from a pastoral position. Speak unapologetically like Peter, apologetic, bro. Well, what was like that? Peter. Unapologetically apologetic. Yeah, is, yeah. That, is that what I got to be? Okay, look, I feel like today, Whatever it is that we call Christianity wouldn't stand at all at this moment that we're reading in Scripture, wouldn't stand even before Jesus. And I say that because what I see in Christians nowadays uh, is this is this idea that um, we will preach to you Jesus, we will tell you what Jesus taught, oh, but we won't live Jesus at all. We oh no no we won't touch any of that stuff right um, or sometimes you get the other extreme Andrew I don't know what you think about this right this is the other extreme which is oh 
we like the fact that Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. But I don't want to touch anything of the holiness side. Don't talk. Oh, don't talk to me about sin. Don't talk to me about sin because uh, you know this is this is not what it's about. Right? It's about loving people. And I'm like, no, no. Wait a minute. I thought this was what Jesus was about. There is so much hypocrisy in Christianity nowadays. I hate saying this. You know what? I'll put myself first because I'm a Christian and 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 I'm a follower of Christ. And there was one moment. Uh, Jason will know about this because I I tweeted about this. And I said, look, I thought that Twitter was a toxic wasteland of, of, of uh, divisiveness because you see all these arguments going on in social media. And you know what was happening as I was reading all those things? I was getting upset. I was getting angry. I was thinking about the things I should respond. And if it wasn't for my wife, by the way, I would respond. All right. But my wife kind of just just holds me back. Okay. Hold <laughs> holds me back. back. Yeah, she's, like, she's like, hey, hold back. Okay. And I don't. Like the four wins, brother. Like the four wins. Angels is holding me back because I'm a, I feel like I'm about to unleash. And I'm like, no, I, wait a minute. This is not Christ-like. Right? And at some point, we got to realize that, man, there's a lot of hip hypocrisy in us. A lot of it. Especially so, in, in modern-day Christianity. So, I mean, something that like I think that's very, very overlooked as Christians. And we just – some of us just know because we were Pathfinder. Some of us, we just read it read the text because it was partly in Sabbath school lesson, but something that's really, really overlooked is Galatians 5, what is starting at verse 22. Mm. And we all know the fruits of the Spirit. Now, something that was very, very, very noticeable about the, the disciples and all of them was what's called the, the day of Pentecost. Like, we know that they had the fire, the, the little flames of fire above them, that they people, people were able to understand them, even though they didn't necessarily speak the same language. They knew that the Spirit was with them. So when you're when you're when you have a deep connection with God, when you have a relationship with Him, obviously you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if you read twenty um, uh, Galatians five, starting at verse twenty two, you know what those things are that happen that you give out in life, that you put out into life when you're a true Christian and have the Holy Spirit in you. And that's the problem. We just read a lot of those things. But we don't apply. Hey, am I as a Christian showing this? Where am I as a Christian? Am I missing? And we don't, We I feel like it's just overlooked. We just memorize it, but we don't try to practice it. And that's, mm. th this is, to me, that's a big part of being a Christian. It's But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. A lot of those things, a lot of what was just said right there, a lot of those things fix a lot of the problems we have today in society just start off with love hmm. just everything that's going on right now showing love to my neighbor caring for my neighbor that, 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 that that's one of the main things that's going on right now joy how many people do we see out there that have no what no sense of any type of joy in their life you like you look at them and they just look like if they're upset at the world hmm. Hmm. it's my job as a christian to go out there and talk to him and try to Show him that joy that God brings me. Then we go to peace, long-suffering. There is no peace right now. How many of us are long-suffering? Patience. Mm. How many of us actually have true patience? If something goes off at church, if so, what hermano misses one step at the Santa Cena? Or the, or the, or the mantel is folded the wrong way. We get so upset and we tell him that, that oh no, that, that this was guided by somebody else. When the, we've talked about this. Mitch knows that we've had a conversation about this. And maybe we'll have it another time. But those those are things that, sh as a Christian, we shouldn't get upset about. 
like okay, Jimmy- Jason, Jason. But let me, but let me, okay, but let me ask you this because I think I think David, uh, David Salcedo. By the way, shout out to David. I'm glad he's on the on the uh, chat right now. He brings up a good question. And by the way, here we're going to use our new controls that we have here. Okay, uh, and the question is, oh. isn't that just human though? Don't you don't you like that, David? By the way, don't you like that? If you, <laughs> I'm putting your question <laughs> up. Okay, look at that. I I think that's a very important question because you you could say. Wait a minute, but that's isn't that what humans are, right? Don't we react this way? Don't we don't we feel this way? Don't we mess up? Uh, and it's true. You're right, Jason. These are mm-hmm. the fruits of the spirit. But couldn't we just say, hey, I mean, we're humans. We're we're fallible, and therefore, that's it. How how do you guys see that? Because I think that's a very good question. I um, honestly, oh, go ahead, Andrew. Go for it. Go for it, Jason. You you're on a roll right now. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, when it comes to things like that, yes, we're human. We're gonna make mistakes, like. There is, there is no doubt about it. We're not perfect. My, 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 I guess you could say my point of view on certain things like this is that when it's something that keeps on happening, something that you don't try to correct, that's where I think it's not just being human. It's just being ignorant to the situation, ignorant to what you're actually going through, ignorant to your, to your, to your relationship with Christ. That's what I think it is because if you try to work on it, God is not going to leave you in the same position as you were the day before. Bit by bit, you're going to change. Obviously, you're not going to, if you if you have no patience, obviously from one day to the next, you're not going to be full of patience. God is going to bring situations in your life that make you patient. And mm-hmm. there's something that one of my teachers in, in school told me. He's like, be careful with prayer because it is a powerful weapon. And what he meant with that is like, if you ask for something, if you ask God to give you patience, He's going to bring the situations that make you patient. If you ask for long suffering or if you ask for for any of those things to help fix your character, it's not going to be for from the one day to the next or like by next week I'm going to be more patient. No, it's going to be through exam, through through situations that you live out that bring those changes to you. It's not going to hmm. it's not it's not it's something it's, Christianity is something experimental. It's something that you have to experience. You can't just say you're a Christian, but not experience the life of a Christian. That, 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 that's, that's also something that we have to, uh, we have to put, put out there. It's something that's experimental. It's not just by, by, by words that come out of your mouth. Uh, yeah, look, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. Because I got a quote yeah. I want to read. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of piggyback off everything, right? And I think that's a good statement. Isn't that just human uh, though, right? And I think that uh, when we address that question, we have to think about this as a as a as a as a marathon. We have, this is a, a sanctification process, right? Mm-hmm. That we're going through in, in our Christian walk. You know, I, um, I think uh, I, I would start to uh, get worried if you're getting angry about the same things uh, five, ten years later. I, I, I would hope that uh, you know, and and, and that's that's just, that's not to say that you know we're gonna have ups and downs, right? And, and um, in, in the Christian walk, but you know, uh, one of the Bible verses that I think of is you know, from from the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. Right. Mm. If we are constantly, constantly in prayer, if we're constantly spending time with God, uh, uh, speaking to people about God, if we're constantly just uh, 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 having a connection with God, all of a sudden we're going to start to see a transformation that starts to take place. And and I know this firsthand from my own experience, you know, because I have like like I just said, it's a sanctification process where times where I haven't been spending time with God as much as I should have. And all of a sudden something will irritate me and I'll get upset. All of a sudden I'll see the carnal side come out and then all of a sudden I'll flash back, you know, and I'll think later, it's like, man, I have, haven't been 
spending as much time as I should be in the word with God. And I think that the, the, the idea is that as the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more and more we'll become like him. And I think mm-hmm. that that's uh, just like the Bible says that daily we have to take up our cross and follow him. Right. We could be uh, 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 so good one day. Right. And the next day completely take all that progress back. But that doesn't mean that the next day we don't we give up. We have to continue to hold on to to uh, to that cross and, and keep walking every single day and not just be satisfied. in oh, this is just who I am. This is just my character because Jesus wants us to make wants to make us fit for heaven. Right. And, and right. he sees our heart. Right. The Bible, you know, and if we're being too, uh, uh, how would you say, even hard on ourselves, the Bible says uh, if we condemn ourselves, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. In right. essence, saying God sees our walk and how uh, 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 true we are to following him and sees our, our motivations. He sees how hard we struggle to actually have a relationship with with him. Right. And if we fail, he's not going to condemn us. He's going to pick us up. He knows everything. He knows everything that we're struggling through. The idea is that we just not get stuck in that place of I'm just human. This is just me. Oh, well, but Jesus, uh, as someone put it, it's um, uh, I forgot how he says it. It's uh, just because uh, God loves you the, the way you are doesn't mean that he intends to leave you the way you are. Right. And that means that we have to allow God to uh, continue to work through us. I, look. I want to I want to share this quote uh, with you guys because again I, I do think that is a very good question, um, and and for the record yes right part of being human is in fact living through that life, but uh, this is Ellen White right and she puts in quotes she says partakers of the divine nature, and she says this is for you and Harold April 14, 1904. is this possible? Divine nature not human nature divine nature is it possible? And she says of ourselves we can do no good thing. How then can we be partakers of the divine nature? By coming to Christ just as we are, needy, helpless, dependent. He died, and this is the important part, he died to make it possible for us to be partakers of the divine nature. See, this is where I think that we have to hone in on what Christianity is about. Christianity is a message of change, right? It is a message that says God can change you. Jesus can change you. He died on the cross to change you. Of course, he died on the cross to save you, to forgive your sins. But that very act changes you if you allow it to, if you allow the spirit to work in you. And and a little bit further on, and you guys will recognize this quote, because she says, God works and man works. We are to cooperate with God. Thus, only can we be partakers of the divine nature. Now, she's not talking about working to be saved, but she's talking about that element of change. There's an element where we say, I want to change. And there's an element where God says, I want to change you. When those two things meet, then comes the change. Then comes the the ability to refrain. So, you know, uh, Lately in, in secular terminologies, we've been hearing about emotional intelligence is the term mm-hmm. that and use now and emotional intelligence this idea of being able to control those impulses those initial emotions that biologically speaking we feel when something happens you guys have ever been cut off on the road on on, on the 15th okay yeah for those who live down in the in the colton san Bernardino area you guys have ever been cut off on the 215 on the 10 freeway uh going down riverside whatever it is I, this these things happen and we react right i get it we react and yet and yet, God wants to take those reactions and start reforming them and start changing them, right? And start 
helping us become more of the divine nature, something that you're going to need up in heaven anyways. So I think it's true. Part of the human experience is our reactions. Part of the human Christian experience is to allow God to change those reactions in you. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I th- I, I was listening to Pastor uh, Manny, Manny Arteaga this morning um, uh, for, from Kale- for Kaleo Church, and there was, a, there was a phrase that he said that really caught my attention. And he said, God cannot, if, let me see if I quote, if I'm, if I'm quoting him right, first of all, but it was more along the lines of God cannot help the person you're pretending to be. Huh. And that, that it, it like made sense. Like I caught it because of, I was, I kept on thinking about today, what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's just, that one's just straight up and blunt. God cannot help you if you're pretending to be a Christian. He can't help you to pretend to be more patient. He can't help you to pretend to glorify God. You can't do those things. Because being a Christian is not about pretending. Being a Christian is about living it out by experiencing that life. I, I think I think for the record, um, if we're pretending to be Christians, then you've also messed up on what Christianity is. Because Christianity actually makes you, I mean, if you really want to practice it, it makes you recognize that you are human. Yep. Not that you're superhuman, but that you are human, that you are fallible, that you are broken, that you are sinful, that you are make mistakes, that you react in certain ways, because it's the only way that God can can save you. You guys have read what Paul says when he look when he when he says, Hey, look, take away what I'm feeling, take away this thorn in my flesh. And God says, No, my grace is sufficient for you. Jesus says that. And Paul understands the lesson. He says, Oh, I get it now. Now, when I am weak, in other words, when I admit my weakness, right? When I admit that I'm I'm not who I want to be is when I am strong because that's the moment when God comes in and he elevates us. So Christianity really doesn't leave you behind, doesn't leave you the way you are, keeps elevating you over and over and over again. And I think this has to be a lesson, especially for our young people, because it's not about being stuck in the same place over and over again. The Christian faith, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God himself, all of them are working to change you. They're working to make you a better person in every aspect. And this is why I keep thinking that in times like this right now, where we are seeing how broken our world really is and how sinful it is, the message of Christ is what can transform. Unfortunately, guys, here it is. More often than not, Christians corrupt the true message of Christ. That's happened through history. I don't know, Andrew, what were you thinking? No, no. I had the thought of what you said, you know, that, that only with Jesus, right? He, he, Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the answer. And, and kind of going along with, uh, you know, what does Christianity look like today? You know, it's almost like we want to remove the solution from, from the problem, right? Which is Jesus. People don't want to hear. And this is kind of what we we're talking about in the beginning. People don't want to hear about what Jesus can do. They just want to hear the things that he did and kind of try to uh, imitate those things. I wanted to kind of start to change the uh, um, I, the flow, of, uh, uh, kind of go back to what what does uh, Christianity look like today? And because uh, I was looking at this article, right? And I was talking mm-hmm. to you about this earlier, right? And um, it's called, because um, I never had a name for it. You know, I had all these different, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, I would speak to certain people and, and be like, man, well, that, you know, and I kind of puts it all together. It's called, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard ever heard heard of uh, progressive Christianity, mm. right? And I feel like that's some of the 
some of the ideas that are creeping in to uh, the church today. And, um, you know, at first I thought this was just someone that uh, uh, some of these ideas were just uh, non-believers, right? Because, well, I say non-believers because there's people that say, oh, you're, uh, um, you know, I'm Christian, right? And we use that term so loosely. And, you know, uh, and they say, oh, you're, oh, yeah, what church do you go to? Oh, well, I don't go to church, but I was raised Christian, uh, you know, so they're, they're not really practicing Christian, but they call themselves Christian, right? And, and you know, and sometimes we'll have people, uh, unfortunately, that, we, uh, you know, that go to church, that call themselves Christian. And this is the, the idea of what we're talking about today is, are we Christian, right? Are we Christ-like, uh, uh, better yet? But anyways, uh, there's this article that says the Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. Almost uh, uh, this uh, this guy made this uh, a response, right, to uh, another uh, article or another book that they were uh, a progressive uh, Christian made, right? And some of the I'm a, I'm a list uh, just a couple of the ones that go along with what with our topic, but uh, I want to go go over some of these and, and see what you guys think, right? Because when we think of um, if you ever uh, talk to someone who's a progressive Christian, right, much of what they talk about it seems like they actually believe the same thing, right, as you do, but it's almost like they empty the words of their meaning and give them new meaning, right? Like they're like, and the, well, the reason why it's so appealing to people is because there's half truths, right? It's like a, we were talking about uh, earlier, right? Uh, Jesus flipping tables, right? And people will take that verse and say, oh, well, see, this is why we should do this and that, right? It's a half truth, right? Jesus did flip tables, right? But what was the context behind it, right? Mm. Or they'll take the verse where it says, oh, uh, you uh, you shouldn't judge me, right? Where the Bible says that not to judge others, right? But then we see verses later where Paul talks uh, uh, says where he himself judges, mm. right? And we see all, and we have we have to understand the context of all these things and understand uh, uh, what exactly what they're saying. So I want to uh, get into this, right? And uh, uh, I guess the basis, the foundation of the of the progressive movement says uh, religion is about humans finding God rather than a God who has revealed himself to humans. It's interesting. But uh, the very first commandment says, Jesus is a model for living more than an object for worship. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, okay, look, let me, because I've, I've, and in the many times that I've been given the opportunity to preach, I've made this point. Um, I, I think that we cannot remove Jesus being your savior and Lord. And what I mean by that is that you have to accept him completely. Let me, let me explain to, to you guys why I see, see what you guys think about this going along with that statement. Um, Jesus says, love your neighbor. For example, we know that, right? But right before that, he says, love God. Now, if you're going to accept Jesus for saying, love your neighbor, then what do you do with the love God part? So some people will say, oh, I think Jesus was a great man. But you you would also have to say that he's a liar too, right? If you don't think that he is God, if you don't think that he is uh, th that his message about worship is important. Because then at that point you say, well, no, I like this part, but I don't like that part. Why don't you like that part? Well, because I don't believe in it. Okay, fine. You don't believe in it. Then you can't believe the entire message of Jesus because it is motivated by divinity. Right, it is, it is motivated by his his very nature, and so I think that happens. The, the The statement is very interesting, right? That we see Jesus as a model, as opposed to who we worship. And there's a there's a huge difference because when I see a model, I see more of a peer, right? Oh, 
I want to be like so-and-so. When you see someone to worship, you're looking upwards and you see yourself as less before that person. And, and that, interesting, motivates you to be like that which you worship, right? But it's different. The moment that I see someone as a model, if they, if I, they do something or they say something that I don't like, I'm just not going to follow it. Yeah, like with the whole progressive Christianity, I have a lot of issues with it um, because of that fact, because of the whole part on um, half-truths. I've had very intense discussions on just something, uh, just something as what Christians eat and what Christians don't eat, what the Bible says we can eat, what the Bible says we don't eat. And they always base themselves off of, off of the dream that Peter had. And it's like, dude, that wasn't the context of, that, of what oh, happened man. to Peter. That's not the context at all. Like, read the whole thing so you understand what's going on. Don't use that as your half truth to excuse yourself from eating all the all these all these foods that the Bible dignifies as dirty, and and it goes on with 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 um, different things like just like salvation. Like, oh, I accepted Jesus. Now I could do whatever I want. I just ha I could just ask for forgiveness. It's just like doing indulgences all over, but without having to write out a piece of paper. It's it's taking everything that's in the Bible and just reading it to the context that benefits me, not what the context is actually telling me, not the truth it's actually trying to teach me. Right, right. And let me and let me kind of bring this to the conversation that's being had right now. Right. Let, let's put this a different way, because I know, Andrew, you're mentioning progressive Christianity, but let's go back to United States with slavery. OK, back in the day in the South, there were people who were using scripture, scripture to justify slavery. That is one of the most pathetic examples of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because if I simply take what Jesus told me, where, where do I get the idea that I can whip someone and treat someone like trash for my own benefit, for my own benefit? Think about that, right? That wasn't the message of Jesus. And so what you see, oh, let me even take it back further back in time, all right? There was a time where there was only one church, all right? There was the Roman Catholic Church. This is the church that everybody, of course, you get the great schism in, in the year 600 or something, you know, and then the Protestant Reformation. But there was a moment where the church, the church in the name of Jesus, oh, I, like I, I almost like, it's, it's almost like disgusting to say this, right? In the name of Jesus would kill people. What? That's not the message of Jesus. And so what do you see, right? Uh, you, you, you begin to see this idea that um, uh, half-truths, half-truths, right? We're only taking the portion that we like. Oh, but we must establish the kingdom of God on earth. Um, yeah, but you don't do it by the sword. That's definitely not what Jesus taught. If he wanted to establish his kingdom by the sword, he just needed to ask all the angels from heaven and they would have shown up. So Half truths have existed for a very long time. By the way, there's a Paul. There's a there's a moment where I think it's Paul who says that there would come people who would be preaching all these different things, but they would basically deny the effectiveness of all of it. And, and so we want to talk about Christ, but we don't want to talk about the effectiveness of His message. We we uh, we want to talk about the, the the things that we like, right? We want to model these things, but we don't want to worship Jesus, right? Uh, we we want to do this action, but we don't want to do that action. Hey, either you take it completely or you're not. I've never gone to a pizzeria and and, uh, and ordered a pizza and they bring me the box and I say, you know what? No, I just want half of that pizza. No, you take the whole thing. 
It's got to be the same thing with Christianity. They're offering you Christianity. You got to take the whole thing, one or the other. At least that's the way it's got to be for Christians. Yeah, you, oh, yeah. you can't. You can't. We've heard, and then there's different stories. There's different parables. You can't serve two masters, and in doing so, and taking part half truths, you're maybe erroneously or unknowingly serving two masters. You're trying to pretend to serve Jesus, and then you're also trying to not unknowingly pretending to serve the enemy. And Whatever else it where, is, yeah. Where 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 does that where does that take you? It just keeps you in this loophole of ignorance. And that kind of goes just to tie in with, with everything that's going on today. You know, it's this, this idea, you know, that Jesus, you know, that Jesus was this, uh, right, this Gandhi, right, this uh, this evolved human, right, or, or an enlightened human, but he wasn't God, right? It, it, it kind of makes me think about Christianity in our own church. It's sad, and I hate using the word superficial, right? But there is a superficial Christianity, right? And, and I, I can say this because I feel like, I lived for 28 years in this super superficial bubble, not for any, I, I wouldn't put the finger on anyone but my own, right? For not, uh, I guess, seeking out truth uh, or, 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 you know, just being kind of uh, complacent in where, where I was in my own belief, right? Just going along with the, with the motions. But there's this superficial Christianity kind of tied into what we're going to today, right? Where we, we, we like the things that Jesus taught. And even though we won't deny his divinity, right? We won't say that Jesus didn't die on the cross, that Jesus is not God, right? We believe those things as Christians. But if we believe those things, then like you said, we have to take the full picture of everything that he said. So sometimes I'll see, you know, like what we're talking about, like we'll see Christians that say, oh, you know, well, well, with everything that's going on right now with the protest, right? Well, these things have to happen, like what I said last week, because this is how change happens, right? Or we see Christians who, uh, I know you were mentioning someone, uh, Mitch, I don't know if you want to share that one, right? Where there are uh, this, no. this this no right <laughs> or this, uh, uh, you know uh, people that are getting angry right sure. Christians right sure. and uh, and getting angry about some of these things and you say to yourself well it's almost as if they're they like the things that Jesus teaches but they don't want to apply these things right they don't they don't you know and and I and I think that that's that's interesting to to apply to apply everything though we're talking about applying everything, everything yes everything. Not not just what I like. Again, do not. This is not a buffet line. Christianity is not a buffet line where you can say, man, I want this, but I don't want that. Which, by the way, I'm hurt because Sue Plantation is closed, man. This is this, <laughs> uh, getting to me. Man. I used to like my salads and I used to just choose whatever I want. But you can't do that with Christianity. You can't. Um, even, even in Christianity, with every, now that we're talking about everything that's going on, there's I've seen three three different sides of Christians. I've seen Christians that are like, oh, yes, protest and get mad at whoever's against it. And then I've seen Christians that are like, oh, but this is this is something prophetic. It's supposed to happen. And they just, everything else, everything else is just whatever. If it happens, it happens. And then You're there's unbalanced. the ones that are just completely against it. But mm -hmm. that's like, dude, there's like, how, like, how do you understand from Jesus's character what everything he did in the Bible? How would you be okay with being violent? How would you be okay with standing there and not helping someone that's in that's 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 that's, that's what would be the word that's being um that's being I can't even think of the word right now like that's how much like this subject bugs me because nobody nobody has a clear vision sure. of what Christianity is really supposed to react with 
react like when situations like this, at least on social media, it doesn't look like a lot of people have a clear vision of what a Christian should really act like. Okay, but if but hold, they, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Jason. No, but 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 is is that is that Christian's fault? Uh, or uh, sorry, is uh, what am I trying to say? Is that Christianity's fault, or is that the individual Christian's fault? That's because the individual's Christian's fault yeah. because Christianity but, tells you what to do. Yeah, you have the whole Bible. You have the whole right. Bible to tell you what to do. It's the it goes down to the individual and their relationship with God. That's the only way that you're going to be able to, to know how to react with this. And there's so many Christians that are reacting erroneously to the teachings of the Bible with everything that's going on. And it could either be for or against it, but they're acting erroneously because they're taking, like we're saying right now, we're taking the Jesus aspect out of it. We don't, I say, I'm, I say it and I say it again, it probably gets annoying, but we don't take into consideration what would Jesus do? Would Jesus literally stand by and see oppression getting done? Or would Jesus be out there trying to help? And but, what would Jesus do trying to help? We don't, yeah. we don't, we don't sit ourselves down and think about that. We only say, "Well, I'm, I'm here in my house. Like, I don't, I'm not getting bothered by anybody. Why would I want to get bothered at all?" Mm. That's what I'm saying. That being a Christian is getting out of your comfort zone, stepping out of your comfort zone to finish the commission that Jesus left us to do. And if we don't do that, you can, you, you just can't. If you don't go out there trying to finish Jesus's work, trying to continue what He did. I don't know how you can call yourself a Christian. You can't just sit there and call yourself a Christian. You can't go to church, or uh, we used to go to church every morning, every Saturday morning. You can't just go sit there in the pews or go online right now and watch a sermon and call yourself a Christian. You can't. It's not, I, I keep on saying, Christianity is something experimental. It's not something that you just sit to and listen. It's not like the Enlightenment. A lot of people, in the, like they're enlightened or they're woke just talk about things, but they don't carry out the actions. They're just woke in their mind. They're not woke in their actions, and they just stay in that little bubble, and they never progress. And that's why we have so many problems with our society today, because everybody talks, here's the solution, here's the solution. Where's the actions? And it's the same thing with, with the Christian. We have all the solutions, but we don't carry out those actions that we should be carrying them out. And when somebody does carry it, when some pastor denounces this, when some pastor goes out um, to the public and, and helps his brother out, just because it's out of my comfort zone, I denounce it as something that's incorrect. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, by the way, uh, two things. Number one, uh, congratulations. Uh, 71 minutes and you did not say, what would Jesus do? Uh, that might be a new record for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing. But the second thing is, I, I agree with you. I agree. Um, I, 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 it's so weird because I, I'm, I'm sometimes af not afraid, but I'm concerned that my words, okay, of the things that, that God has put in my heart will eventually offend someone else, right? Because they simply don't like that. Because it just simply because they don't like that. And, and, I, and I think that's wrong. Uh, you know, we wait for the second coming of Jesus. And I think, I think what you just said, you can apply it to so many different aspects of our lives. Because on the one hand, uh, for example, putting this into the context that we have, man, you cannot be Christian and just ignore what's happening right now. You can't. You can't, you can't be Christian and say, well, you know what? I really don't care about this. Uh, Jesus is coming soon, so whatever. No, 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 no. You can't do that because Jesus was concerned about that as well. But on, but the complete opposite of that would be the person who says, I'm only concerned about this, but I don't care about, this, this, for example, the spiritual side that Jesus is asking. And mm -hmm. you can't do that either. That's why, again, it's either everything or nothing, right? Or nothing. You cannot go in 
and and oh, uh, there's a parable that Jesus uh, says in Matthew 24 at the very end, where he says that as we're waiting for a second coming, you don't know when he's returning. But there are two types of servants. There's a good one and there's a bad one. And that good one is out there feeding the other people right next to him, right, taking care of the household that he is in charge of. And then there's a bad servant, and the bad servant is beating people up. By the way, both of them are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Both of them are waiting for the return, but the attitude show you whether or not we're preparing. And, and, I, and I think we're, we're, we're ending up in very, very dangerous waters at this point, because if we keep going in this route, we're going to be surprised when Jesus comes. And if we don't make it up there, you're going to be left wondering why. It's going to be like the story of the virgins. Though there was the ones that were prepared. They were prepared at all times, and then there was the ones that were like, oh, they could hold. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna procrastinate. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pro procrastinate on reading my Bible. I'm gonna procrastinate on reading. I'm gonna procrastinate on having my own devotional with with God. I'm gonna procrastinate on helping my neighbor. You, procrastination, procrastination in a Christian's life is something that just doesn't fit, because you're gonna procrastinate on Jesus coming, and when He does come. We're like, oh, hold on, God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me read one more text and I'll be ready to go. That's not how it's going to be. It's like you, you, you guys have been saying, it's all or nothing. Jesus is going to come all or nothing. He's, he's not going to wait until you decide, okay, now you can come, God. Now I'm ready. He's given, he's given everybody. Everybody's had their opportunity. Is having Even up to today, is having their fair share of whether deciding they're for God or they're not. And it's up to every individual to make that decision. And it's up to every individual to decide whether they want to change their life and whether they want to be with God for the rest of eternity. And it's and it's sad because a lot of us, and I could include myself, I used to be in, in those shoes at one point was just procrastinating things. I would tell myself, like, like, okay, like, yeah, I know this, but let me let me let me go to college first. And then after college, after I get my job, then I'll focus on doing my work for God. Yeah. It's, we, we try to put a lot of the things that we have to do that we that society says that we have to do to be a successful human we put a lot of those things before god when it's putting god first that brings those things into your life and makes you a successful human we as christians we forget the jesus first aspect and then everything else is a, it comes in addition mm. and that's something that we we have to change cuz a lot of like a lot of social media pushes that out like work, 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 work for this, work for your work for being financially successful, all of this. But nobody ever talks about if you put Jesus first, Jesus is gonna give help you build that intelligence to get your finances together, to get your life together, to be able to become a successful person. Yeah. yeah. It's a that's, problem. That's interesting that you said, you know, that we, we have to put Jesus first and then that everything else, because going along with what we're saying, you know, we'll we'll scream out justice. And then later we'll say, well, what did Jesus do? As opposed to mm -hmm. saying, you know, what did Jesus say about this? Then justice, because then all of a sudden justice starts to look a little bit different. We put justice first and then, oh, well, let's see what Jesus happened to say about that. Then we accommodate uh, what Jesus did to our version of justice, as opposed to if we go in with it with Jesus first mentality, Christ like, then we put justice to accommodate what Jesus taught and vice versa. Uh, uh, absolutely absolutely now look guys we got we got to wrap this conversation up yeah i know we started a little late but um but uh but we do have to wrap it up uh but um i i think we're facing a lot of challenges obviously um as christians 
Um, and, uh, and I think that more than ever, we have to really question whether or not we're living the identity that Christ wants us to live, right? Whether or not we identify as Christians. Um, let, let's just finish with something really brief. Um, how can we be better Christians today? Let's just, uh, maybe just a quick few seconds, right? Each one of us, uh, how would we see that? Um, uh, how can we be better Christians today? Uh, I would say in order for us to be better Christians today is we have to acknowledge uh, where we're failing in our Christian life, right? Mm -hmm. First, the thing, the, what do they say uh, in, a, in an addict's life? Or, you know, first thing is getting out of denial, right? Mm -hmm. and, and kind of realizing that all of us as Christians in some area are failing. None of us have this Christianity packed down in, in a formula to say that we can have everything down. And so the first thing I would say is for us to just look at ourselves and say, you know, hey, well, what area could could uh, could could I use? You know what? You know, uh, the different things that are, that affect people, you know, whether it be uh, complacency, you know, uh, indifference, because we don't see a, a relevance in the Bible, you know, uh, all these different things. And we have to uh, 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 see where exactly am I lacking? You know, if it's complacency, you know, then we have to we have to address that and say, you know, how much time am I really spending time with God? You know, there's a there's a quote that I have from William S. Burroughs that says, if you're not growing, you're dying mm. when speaking, you know, and, and I think that's that we can apply that directly to our Christian walk. Right. There's no such thing as staying in one place in the Christian walk. You know, and if you're just staying in one spot, you're, that means you're going backwards. You know, right. and, and you, you're, you can only grow. Right. Uh, uh, and, and that's the, the thing that we have to do is uh, continue to look uh, to. Um, uh, uh, Jesus and see where, where it is that we need to uh, kind of uh, grow in our Christian walk. For sure. Jason, what do you say you? How can we be better Christians? I think, first of all, honestly, we have to, we have to, we have to put ourselves in check and we have to, we have to check our relationship with God. And if, if you're in a position where you think that you're doing better, check yourself. Cause it, the more you get closer to God, the more of a sinner you see you are and the more that you understand that you need of him and his grace. So if, you, if you're, you're in that position, if you're watching us and you're in that position, put, talk to God. Talk to God and ask him to show you where it is that, that you're failing, where it is that, that you could become a better Christian, a better, a better follower of his. And that'd be it. That, that, that's that's going to be the start of something. Once, you, once that started, once that connection got it started, it's just something that amazing that's going to happen in your life. All the changes that you need will start happening. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to, because I have the controls here, um, I am going to just show one word because I think Cindy, just in my opinion, this is this is the key uh, to becoming a better Christian, you know, and the word that she put was surrender. Mm -hmm. That word that she put down, surrender. Uh, and and, I, and I, I agree. I think I think that to me, that is it. I think that the more that we give up of ourselves, to Christ, the more that I keep looking at that cross and realizing that He died for me, right? And I and I keep giving up. I keep giving up what I feel. I keep giving up uh, my my emotions, my reactions. I keep saying, "Lord, this is yours. Take and do as you need." Um, I, I think that will ultimately lead us to become better Christians, because ultimately, the life of a Christian is a life of surrender, uh, and not a surrender to anything other. 
than Jesus, in, in my opinion. Nothing else, but it is about surrendering completely, completely to Jesus. Not partially, not 50%, not 75%, not 99% and holding on to that one. It is a complete surrender to Jesus, who, by the way, should you decide to surrender to Jesus, you're in the best hands possible because Jesus loves you and and he will take care of you. So anyways, um, that that's uh, that's that's kind of our conversation for today. And again, we apologize for uh, us starting late. It was kind of crazy at the beginning. Yeah. We want to thank everybody who uh, who joined us um, and, and stuck around with us up until this time. I just want to say that uh, if you like the new format, please let us know all those, all of, all of you who are live on right now, if you do like this new format, uh, on your screen, can you let us know real quick and just say, Hey, yeah, I like it. Keep going. And if you don't like it, let us know too. We need to know this. All right. Because ultimately we're just trying something that will, that will help us be able to communicate better, uh, with all of you. So, uh, thank you. Thank you once again for, for being with us, for connecting with us. Uh, we got to wrap this up, guys, um, and uh, I think we should just end with the word of prayer. So uh, uh, I don't know who started. Who, who started? It was so long ago that I can't remember. Who <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, then uh, Jay, Jay. I'll finish with the prayer. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, guys, let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, first of all, for another day of life that you've given us and for another Sabbath that we were able to spend here on earth, Lord. Now, Lord, um, with everything going on in the world, being a Christian is something that could sometimes be controversial, Lord. How we act, how we don't act uh, could lead to someone's salvation or to someone's someone losing themselves, Lord. I pray, Lord, for every single one of our viewers and for us ourselves that we get closer to you, Lord. And that we get closer to you and become more like you, Lord. That we... That we show what Christianity really, Christianity really is, Lord. Please help us to, to reserve some time to spend with you, Lord. To meditate on your words and to meditate on your life. And to, to realize where it is that we're going off and where it is we could do better, Lord. Please uh, uh, be with every single individual here and with every, every family res uh, represented, Lord. And that we may all be um, longing and searching for and trying to get closer to that, to the, to that second coming of yours. We'll, we'll all be reunited, Lord. I ask for all these things in your name. I pray, Amen. 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 Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, thank you so much. Yeah, we're getting some comments here. It looks like um, uh, your guys' faces were distorted. I apologize for that. I have no idea. I, I, I it's kind of weird. We're still trying to figure some of this out, uh, but we do appreciate uh, the patience all of you had. Uh, we want to thank you once again for joining us. Uh, we'll try to figure out what it is we're going to do next week um, uh, regarding the platforms that we're using. But in the meanwhile, you guys already know, make sure you connect with us uh, on Instagram, right, Jason? Yes, sir. Um, um, like you guys know the name, keep calm, no end, Adventon. All right. Now follow us on there. Uh, shoot us your questions, guys. We've gotten a couple um in these next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to really try to pick up our topics based off of what you guys asked us. So uh, please go ahead, um, uh, send us emails. Um, if you guys have our numbers, if you guys have our personal numbers, we're not going to put it out on here, but if you guys have our personal numbers, hit us up on there. If you don't want to hit us up on Instagram, just reach out to us because we're really doing this because we want to do something for you guys. This isn't for us. We're not, we, I've said it before, we, we're not, we're really not doing it for the views. We're just doing it because it's a common place. It's somewhere where, 
you feel, I feel like you could feel safe asking asking things that you can't maybe ask your parents. You can't maybe ask uh, one of your peers. And if you feel that like you trust us enough to tackle that question, go ahead, ask us. Yeah, and and if you don't feel like you trust us enough, give us the question anyways. You know, we try to figure it out. Anyways, no, but definitely connect with us. Uh, you know, and if all goes well, we hope to see you guys next week. And as you know, you know our message, right? Uh, keep washing those hands. COVID nineteen is not over. You guys know it's not over. In fact, don't stop wearing those masks. Apparently, it's all coming back. We don't want it back. But keep calm. Advent on, no matter what. Keep calm and Advent on. We want to make sure you guys keep looking forward to the coming of Jesus. You guys all have a blessed week. We will see you soon.